I am unwilling to give up, that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out, knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control, control, control. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders, We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I am so excited to have my next guest here. We have Nicole Wegman, who is the founder and CEO of Ring Concierge. And if you have not heard of Ring Concierge, Boy, are you going to be so excited to learn about this incredible site and company that she has built. So Nicole founded Ring Concierge in 2013 after realizing that there was a huge void in the market that she had an idea for. Uh, She figured this out as she was going through the process of finding her own engagement ring, taking a look around, and what started with custom engagement rings soon branched out into other jewelry, incredible jewelry items uh, as well. So her uh, hybrid model of in-person consultations, e-tailer services, coupled with savvy social media has made Ring Concierge a big, big success. So this is a hot, hot brand that you absolutely need to know about with an incredible founder and CEO, female founder and CEO, by the way, at the helm. So can't resist mentioning that. So can't wait to hear more about her journey as well and backstory. So without further ado, welcome, Nicole. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Amazing. So uh, I'd love to hear from you. Just give a bit of a description about Ring Concierge. Um, Like, What is the brand that you are really focused on building? Yeah. So Ring Concierge is a fine jewelry company, you know, at its core. And we sell products starting at under $100 to custom rings into the seven figures. So literally anything and everything, fine jewelry. We only work with, you know, real materials, diamonds, gold, silver, for example. So nothing plated. But with that, we really try to focus on making the price points as obtainable as possible. There are plenty of jewelry brands out there that are spectacular and beautiful, but very, very few people can afford them. And that's not what I wanted when I set out to do this. I do think you can have both. You can have gorgeous, on-trend quality jewelry, but at a price that you know women can actually self-purchase. So that is really what I focus on. And we focus on making the company really fun and exciting and welcoming. It's not stuffy. It's not intimidating. You can come in to shop anything and everything. And regardless of your budget, we are here for you and to make you feel great because that's how you should feel when you're shopping for anything, but especially fine jewelry. So can you share your backstory too? What, I mean, what were you, what were you doing before this and, and how did you have the courage to actually just go start a company? I mean, it's incredible. Well, I was 26. So I think at that age, um, you're kind of cocky and you think you can do anything. And I don't think it actually took a ton of courage. I think doing it a decade later, starting now would probably be a lot harder. So it was pretty serendipitous 
that it all came to be when it did. But I was in the fashion industry. That's what I went to school for. I went to Cornell for um, apparel and merchandising. And then I immediately graduated and worked at Macy's headquarters, then Bloomingdale's headquarters. And I was kind of in that world and thought that's what I would do forever. So I learned a lot about e-com and customer behavior and product development and kind of the real foundation for a retail business. I knew nothing about jewelry. The industry never crossed my mind. It was never talked about at school as being an industry that you could think about entering, even though we were all fashion majors. But I was 26 and I had been with my now husband nine years. So I had really put the pressure on. It was like, all right, we're, <laughs> I, I took him to the diamond district. You know, it hits a point where you see your friends getting engaged. You're like, hang on. I'm almost at a decade. So we went to 47th Street in New York. And I don't know, have you been to 47th Street before, Carol? I have. And it, it's um, daunting, to say the least. Daunting, to say the least. It's a pretty unpleasant block of New York City. But what's unbelievable is this is where everybody thought that they should go spend tens of thousands of dollars. It's the most expensive purchase of most couples' lives at that point, unless they're already homeowners. Mm -hmm. So it's not just a big deal emotionally. It's a big deal financially. And it was so opaque. We had no idea where to start, who to trust. Are the diamonds they showing us good quality? We didn't know. The settings you know, weren't my style. It was all men. There were no real female voices on the street. And, you know, we we did end up finding something, I ended up finding an antique ring, because to me, that was kind of the easiest way to go about it. It was just done. But I thought, oh my gosh, there is such a void and an opportunity for a few things in this industry. One, a woman to really own a company, especially in the diamond world, because it just doesn't exist. And then also a company and a brand that really understands how millennial women want to shop and what experience they want, because this wasn't a fun experience. And that's when I came up with the idea of ring concierge. And it started with just engagement rings, hence the name ring concierge. But, you know, as you mentioned, we're almost at 10 years. We now offer everything. But that's why it's named ring concierge. I thought I could be that female voice for couples looking to buy a ring. So where did the name come from? Or how did you come up with the idea for your name? I initially thought the company would be more of a service and less of a product, you know, a retailer. I thought I would guide couples through the industry, figure out how to navigate it, know who to work with. And I could say, okay, here's where we'll go for the diamond. Here is where we'll, here's where we could go to have the setting made. Very quickly, I realized I could do all of those things and better and cut out a major step and not need a middleman in the process. And so that's where the name concierge came from. But we still really hold that to one of our core values and how we treat customers. And we always say to the team, you know, ring concierge, concierge is in our name. So when we're servicing people and working with clients, whether they're spending $50 or $500,000, we can't forget how important the service element is when you're purchasing fine jewelry. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around. 
available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is Super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. 
Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of the Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for the Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. So I found it fascinating when I was doing some research on you and the, and the company that uh, a large percent of your purchasers are women, right? So obviously you started out as a, uh, or not obviously, but as you mentioned, uh, you started out really focusing on the engagement ring, but your lifetime value of a consumer, if you keep them satisfied, is going to be much larger um, if uh, if you service them correctly. And oftentimes a woman, whether or not she's shopping for a um, engagement ring or not, she's the, the majority of your purchasers, right? Absolutely. So it's kind of interesting. I think a lot of people assume it starts with the ring for our customers and then transitions into fine jewelry, but the reverse happens a lot as well. And then we have so many women that shop with us that are either single and not even looking at engagement rings or have been married for years and just want to purchase fine jewelry. So we really have everybody, which is great. You know, we're not, yes, our bridal, we're, we're famous for it, but that's not the only thing we do at all. And so when it comes to our website where we sell all the fine jewelry and we have two fine jewelry stores, one in the West Village, one on the Upper East Side, 80% of the purchases are made by women, which I am so proud of because the other piece of this, you know, of the business that's really important to me is empowering women to purchase in a category that traditionally it would have been taboo to buy yourself jewelry. You know, you wait for a man to buy it for you. And that's just not how I operate. It's clearly not how anyone is actually operating if 80% of our purchases are made by women. But we really talk about it so that you can feel, you know, totally comfortable taking control of this category. So you've done a terrific job of getting out there on social too. And and obviously you're gaining consumers all over the US, even though you're based in, in New York. So if there's a hero product for your site, like what is the thing that people, I guess, sort of test you all on? I, I mean, are they rings? Are they earrings? I mean, is there something that is like, Oh my gosh, I got this and now I'm I'm with you for life. Easy answer. And this is pretty wild, but our number one unit selling and revenue driving piece across the entire company is our mini diamond tennis bracelet. And what we did is we worked really hard to create essentially an obtainably priced tennis bracelet because everybody wants a tennis bracelet, but they're typically price prohibitive. Mm-hmm. So we created one for 12.98 and it's set in a way where the di- the gold makes the diamonds look a little bigger than they actually are, which, you know, is always a win. Nobody wants their jewelry to look smaller. That's just never a thing. Everyone wants their diamonds to look bigger. And it flies. Like I can't, we've sold tens of thousands of these. I can't even tell you. And 
people live in them. They never take them off. Like I see people, like when people see me on the street and they're like, oh, are you wearing concierge? I'm like, I'm wearing my mini diamond tennis bracelet. I've had it on for a year. They're great. And it's back to finding a way to make this category actually somewhat affordable and finding a way like, you know, a tennis bracelet. You can own a tennis bracelet for thousands of dollars less than you typically, you know, the prices would have started at at other companies. So what should consumers look for when they're trying to select fine jewelry? You know, these are purchases that people are, like you just mentioned, wearing for a long period of time. Um, but how do you how do you figure it out? Like, how do, how do you figure out how to get the quality that you're looking for? I think it's finding the right balance for you. And so what we do is we work really hard to get a great quality, but not create something that is such like colorless, flawless diamonds, and then no one can afford it, right? So one of the tips I would have for diamonds is to kind of find that middle ground, which is going to be near colorless, which is still amazing, but not perfect. Because the Mm -hmm. second you kind of go into this perfect category, prices are going to skyrocket. Visually, you cannot see the difference. I promise you it's experts that are grading these diamonds with, you know, like Clarity, for example, is graded under 10x magnification. Obviously, what you can see under 10x is not what we can see as a consumer. So we really try to find this sweet spot. And so kind of understanding where you're comfortable in terms of color and clarity and all of that, but then also just finding a company you trust. And that's the hardest part because anybody can say anything, but can you trust them? So Mm -hmm. looking for somebody, you know, that has great Yelp reviews, go on Yelp. Most jewelers have Yelp reviews. Um, People love to talk about if they have a great or terrible experience. So that's a really easy way to start. But asking around. You know, one of our um, social media is our biggest driver for new customers. But the second biggest category of new customer acquisition is referrals. People love to talk about brands that they're proud of and that they had a good experience with. So ask your friends, did you have a good experience with X, Y, and Z company? So what has been the most challenging part of growing Ring Concierge? I mean, this is, you had not started a company before. You had amazing experience and, uh, you know, definitely knew what you wanted, but, but that's different than actually building out a company. So what has been kind of the most challenging for you? Oh my gosh, that's a great question because everything, right, is the challenge. And that's part of, um, I think, why most entrepreneurs are kind of I maybe maybe there's something a little wrong with us to take something like this on bit of masochist but I think handling the growth has actually been the biggest challenge what's really lucky for us is the brand awareness and growing the social following people know who we are and mm-hmm. that's great. a lot of companies have to spend a ton on marketing to get their name out there we didn't spend on marketing until four years ago so I made it six years before I even had a marketing wow. budget so I cannot complain about everything that happened for us organically. I think what's really challenging is when you're skyrocketing, many, many years in a row, we were doubling in size, keeping up with it on the back end. Hiring fast enough has mm-hmm. been a challenge. It's still a challenge. Um, figuring out how to increase you know, operational efficiencies and what systems now need to be in place. Systems maybe I couldn't afford in the beginning, but now we are behind by not having them because we've exploded that's what I have a hard time with. And thank God I have a great team behind me. You know, I have a great COO, a great president, great people that can think through all of this because what I focus on is more of 
the products, the brand, the vision, the marketing, and where we want to be in 10 years, I'm not as strong at making it all run properly. Mm -hmm. That's great. Well, it's great that you know to bring in the right people, right? That can actually help you to be successful too, because I think that that's, um, you know, 90% of the battle uh, for people running a company, because if they don't know um, or they're not confident enough in themselves and sort of what they want to do and go and hire those people that can actually balance them out. I think that that can be such a huge challenge. So you're speaking with a friend who has this great idea for a company. They're like, I'm going to go and do exactly what Nicole has done and build an incredible company. What advice would you give them? Like, what do they need to know about building a company that? maybe no one shared with you prior to you actually starting your company? I would say in the very beginning, what I think matters the most is being lean. I read, this was a decade ago, and this book was trending that then. I don't know if it's still considered a startup tool now, but I read The Lean Startup, and mm -hmm. I still stand behind that. I never have taken any outside capital. I bootstrapped the company with $2,000 and kind of figured it out slowly with the profits of each sale. But um, the lean startup in terms of start nimble, test, talk to customers, don't spend two years on research and development, and don't spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to make sure everything looks perfect before you launch. Because guess what? You could do all of that and you missed the mark because you never really interacted with the end user and tested a bunch of things when you still could inexpensively. I think that is so important in the beginning. And that has that is what caused the company to be financially sound and healthy 10 years later and not needing any outside capital. Um, you know, would I have things I could do with $50 million with a check? Of course. But I don't want to give up my ownership and autonomy. And I've been able to do that by being really thoughtful financially in the beginning years and testing inexpensively. That's awesome. And you still have not raised capital. We have not. Yeah, that's amazing. Really, really great. So I know that as a founder and as an entrepreneur, we don't always get credit for the hard things uh, that we have done. And, uh, you know, in the case of Building Hint, uh, we created the first uh, product using real fruit that didn't have preservatives in it, like things like that that are not consumer facing um marketing things that you necessarily talk about, but I'm very proud of it, right? And creating an entirely new category in the beverage industry, uh, things like that. What is it that you are extremely proud of that you've built at Ring that um, maybe you don't get a chance to talk about and pat yourself on the back for? Yeah, I think kind of taking it up 30,000 feet and what's going to be important in 10 years from now, what I'm proud of as carving out a space for women to work in this industry. Mm -hmm. 10 years ago, I did not know of any women that owned a fine jewelry. There were no women that owned a fine jewelry company of the size that Ring Concierge is today. So when I had different brands to look up to or companies to look up to, it was only men. And there were women that worked for them. There were women on the sales floors, but never running these companies. And since I've started Ring Concierge, there has been so many other female-founded small jewelry businesses that have been popping up, which is so cool and exciting. We employ 60 people, over 90% are women. So creating space for women to consider the jewelry 
um, industry as a career path when before it probably didn't cross most people's minds. So I think that's something that will continue to permeate the industry because there's a long way to go. I mean, it's a $90 billion industry and we're just a blip in it. So think about how many how many men that is still running this industry. But I do think that's going to change. And I think that's really important because, you know, for tons of reasons, but one of them being we are the end user. So why are we not represented within the industry? Yeah, no, that's really, really a good point. So, so big question, hot item for summer 2023 that uh, everybody is, uh, is grabbing. Sterling silver. So we just launched our first ever sterling collection. We've only worked with gold traditionally, but we were doing it for two reasons. One, this huge, chunky, you know, I'm wearing them right now, jewelry trend has kind of resurfaced from the 90s. And to create these pieces in 14 karat gold would be pricey. You know, they would be tens of thousands of dollars because gold is expensive. So we've launched everything in sterling silver, not everything, a small collection in sterling silver of these really chunky pieces because this is kind of the it trend. And I hate when people want to achieve a trend, a trend but have to go buy costume, which doesn't last, mm-hmm. turns your ears green, the plating comes off, you can't get it wet, you know, you can't do anything in those pieces. So we're really excited. And the other piece of it from a business standpoint is it's a Gen Z acquisition tool for us. We know that gold and diamonds is probably price prohibitive for the, the majority of Gen Z at this point. Most don't have, you know, their first career started yet. And so it's important to us to start to get them comfortable with the brand because our average bride is 28 and Gen Z is not that many years out from being our average bride. So how do we create a product for them that they can afford right now? And the pieces are all under 500, which is really exciting for how chunky and big and like they're going to look so good with summer dresses and linen. Do they tarnish in some way or do you have to eventually? over tarnishes. We have anti-tarnish finish on them. So, you know, you can tr- slow that down. You mm-hmm. cannot prevent silver from tarnishing. Every piece comes with um, a cleaning cloth, an anti-tarnishing cloth, and you just wipe it and it looks like brand new again. You know, the same way you've seen like in movies, people are polishing their silver dishware. It's the same idea. Yeah, I was wondering if it, if uh, that has ever gone away or if, if people someone are... could figure and invent that, then they're, right? they're very wealthy. Yeah, no, there is no solution to that at this point. So great. So what's next for Ring Concierge? Where do you hope the company goes in the next like 12 months? So much. Um, but one of the biggest focuses we have right now is in physical retail. We are digitally native. So up until two years ago, the only physical footprint we had was our private bridal showroom, which is by appointment. We never had retail stores. We opened two small stores in New York City in 2021, I believe. They're great. They're successful. And, you know, we know that this is the future of continuing to scale and grow. People, as much as you can shop online, and that's still the bulk of our business by far, people like to try on expensive purchases. And so we know a broader um, a broader retail plan across the country is going to be necessary to take us to the next level. That's awesome. So what was the pandemic for Ring Concierge? I mean, it, I'm, I'm so curious about the industry overall because so many people were obviously living, living at home uh, and, and staying at home. But uh, 
what happened in your industry over those two years and how has that changed for you today? So a couple things happened. When it first started out, when everything was shut down, especially New York City, most of the industry was just at a standstill. And Mm -hmm. that was about six months that I think New York City was shut down. What was difficult at first, but then amazing for us is that we've always been digitally native. We've always been able to operate um, by selling remotely for bridal, but then we also have an entire e-com website. And because this industry is very, very antiquated, they're very behind in terms of e-commerce. Most jewelry brands don't even have a website. We, it was a little bit like fishing in a barrel. Like mm-hmm. we were fully operational. We moved our fulfillment center out of the city so that we could open that up sooner and we're fully running and operational. So that was amazing. Super difficult logistically to make that transition. It was kind of a nightmare for the team because you're moving tens of millions of dollars of of inventory. So it's really, it's not like a simple thing, but we did it. So that was great for the industry. What was, I think, important is that the rest of the industry realized the, how instrumental it is to be online. And so a lot of these mom and pops and smaller brands that never even thought about building a website started to think about it. So it just helped the industry move forward in a way that it should be anyway. Supply chain obviously was horrible for a while. What wasn't? Things are still backed up, but it's picking back up. Diamond prices rose 25% since pre-pandemic, and they have stayed at 25% up. Um, it's it's industry-wide. It's supply chain-wide. There's you know no way to really get those back down. So that makes it a little tough for bridal clients, but we just try to work with them to find the biggest bang for their buck and help really get them a beautiful ring without overextending. Very, very interesting. So best advice that you've ever received that you think about when you're going through challenging times of uh, of growing your business? I think what was one of the best pieces of advice that I heard earlier on, it was actually from Jessica Elba, who founded The Honest Company. Um, I was at a talk that she was speaking at. And she talked about how, how difficult and necessary it is that the you take a look at your team that helped you start the company and you hit certain points as you grow and you have to be realistic about now, is this still the same team that can get me to the next level? And I'm not suggesting mm-hmm. you just let everybody go. Yep. But there, it's a very different type of employee that is going to sit around you know, your apartment with you and ship products out of your living room than it is to now take you to non nine figures, let's, let's say, which is, you know, the transition that we're always thinking about is as we hit these different milestones, take a look at the team. And do we need to think about, are we missing skill sets? Are we doing the company a disservice by not saying, okay, we now need a C-level in this department that is traditionally operated fine without that type of seniority? Um, an example would be we hired our first CMO ever, who is incredible. She is exceptionally see- like talented. I don't even fully know why she decided to come on board with us. She left a very, very big job at a very, very big company. So we are pumped. But, um, you know, that was a tough decision because I'd always been at the head of marketing and I took a look around and I said, okay, we're going to hit a point where I'm going to I'm going to stunt company growth by thinking I can keep doing this. We need an expert. And so those types of transitions are tough, 
but real. And I think you have to be okay with it and figure out how to do it gracefully and keep, you know, your current team happy because they're there for a reason. They're good. They're amazing. But you'll have to shift what your team looks like when you hit different milestones. Definitely. Well, this was such an amazing interview and such a great chance to get to know you and get to know Ring Concierge a little bit more. Uh, We'll have all the info in the show notes as well. But thank you so much, Nicole. It was such a pleasure. And everybody needs to check out Ring Concierge for sure. It's such a great site and resource. And and like I said, we'll have it all in the show notes too. So thank you again, Nicole. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again for listening to The Kara Golden Show. If you would, please give us a review and feel free to share this podcast with others who would benefit. And of course, feel free to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of our podcast. Just a reminder that I can be found on all platforms at Kara Golden. And if you want to hear more about my journey, I hope you will have a listen or pick up a copy of my book, Undaunted, which I share my journey including founding and building Hint. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And thanks everyone for listening. Have a great rest of the week and 2023 and goodbye for now. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head-on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.